I've come to realize that inspiration is not necessarily the first step in the process of creating artwork. Mm-hmm. I've often found that like you need to force yourself to do something, to read theory, to to make something. Even if you feel completely uninspired, for me the inspiration almost comes like it, it's almost step two. <laughs> Hi there, it's Inspiration in Action, a podcast for creatives, and I am your host Dasha Pierce. The goal of this podcast is for you to be inspired by and learn from other creatives, both the mindset for and the practicality of creating great art. Here you will find raw, honest conversations about artistic process, mind struggles, supporting yourself as an artist, and becoming successful at what you do. If you're new here, I'd like to give you a warm welcome to the community. Here we believe that photography is much more than gear and technical perfection. It's a means of making an impact, however big or small, on the world around you. Today's guest is an extraordinary young South African artist, Luke Rudman, who turns trash that he finds on the coastline into mind-blowing works of art. Combining visual and performance art, Luke sends an important message about the state of the environment, and oceans in particular. What started as a student project later on led to collaborations with organizations like Greenpeace. We talk about why inspiration should almost be a step two for an artist, what you can do when procrastination takes over, and how one single weird idea can influence the minds of many. Enjoy! Hi, and it's really, really nice to have you today. Thank you for having me. I'm just checking, you can see me, everything is right. Everything is good. I'm new to the whole IG Live format, but... Yeah, guys, please let us know if you're here as well, and feel free to send us questions. I have lots of questions of my own, but we're also welcome questions from you guys, and thank you for joining us today as well. So, look, to begin with, I really am really, really curious. When you were a child, what was your favorite pastime? Where did you like drawing or performing or reading? What was it? I was a very out, like outdoorsy kid. So the house I live in as well, I live very close to a game reserve. And so like most of my childhood was involved in like being outdoors in nature and like pet keeping. I was a very much like animal, animal nature obsessed uh, child. Funnily enough, art wasn't a big part of my life until probably a couple of years ago, like halfway, like 14, 15, around there when it really became a big thing in my life. But my father was an artist actually. Oh. Uh, he was a sculptor. And so I grew up in a house surrounded, like uh, surrounded by art. And, and I think maybe... That's why I felt, my father passed away when I was very young as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's maybe why I felt drawn to art. Mm-hmm. Uh, this sort of father-son connection that I never had that maybe art could offer me because of his interest in it as well. Yeah, that's really, really interesting. And I can totally uh, resonate with that as well. When you also said that you were very interested in all the like natural topics and since you were probably grown up outdoors how did your family react to your passion about uh, nature and about protecting nature first of all i don't think it was a surprise to them mm. um, so i'm not sure if i can give you like <laughs> well because i was that type of kid i mean i was very much um before art became such a big monument in my life i always wanted to go into conservation and i, I wanted to go into like animal rights and, and something in ecology um and so actually my shift but you know i, I think yeah given that art is also quite a big it plays a big role in my family 
or it hasn't in the past given my father and even my mother was at, at a stage an artist so I, I think it was something that was embraced in my family whereas I think in a lot of other families it's approached very apprehensively because it's seen as like a high-risk area to go into as a career yeah so you were encouraged yeah, for the most part, I think obviously there's always those concerns of, oh no, my child is studying art, like they're not going to be able to afford medical aid or supplies. But I mean, <laughs> I think working consistently kind of got them on my side. Okay, and when currently you introduce yourself to a new audience, like right now, basically, how do you do that? Could you please tell us just a few words of how you um, introduce yourself and your art as well? So my name is Luke Rudman. I describe myself as a visual and performance artist. Mm -hmm. um, I live in South Africa in Port Elizabeth. I'm currently a student. I'm an art student. I'm a second year student at Nelson Mandela University. And yeah, a lot, as you said, a lot of my work kind of does revolve around environmentalism and ecology. Um, but it's also very multifaceted. I think um, just given the state of the world, the, the work centering on environmentalism is the one that I think most people have probably seen mm -hmm. uh, because it's so relevant because of the state of climate emergency that we're in right now. Mm. And when I first saw your work, I just told you that I was completely blown away. And at first, I didn't realize that it was connected with environmental protection, actually. I was just thinking that, wow, <laughs> those pieces, they look so awesome. And I think that's one of the strongest elements of your art, that the pieces are, yes, then you, you learn, the, learn the story that they're created from the plastic which was collected along the coastline. But the, first of all, they capture your attention with that surreal element and with their beauty. Did you start creating those surreal pieces kind of like by intuition or did you put that element on purpose? I think the, the first while of, of when I, well, speaking about my performative art, um, like the art that I use myself as the canvas mm -hmm. for, when I started, it wasn't really a conscious thing. I just felt like I needed that outlet. Um, and so it wasn't even so much that there was so much critical thought going into the work initially. It was just an authentic mm -hmm. representation of what I was like of my mental state at the time. But my work has also developed like a lot. The aesthetic has changed a lot from when I started. I really do like the sort of surreal, otherworldly element, um, especially when you're using art as activism, because I think there's a sweet spot when you use art and activism, uh, especially like surreal work that makes people like really look and like remember what they see, because I, I think that is really what drives the interest to like learn more about like, okay, what, what are you trying to say? What is the work representing? And so I think now it's very much a conscious thing. I, I like the kind of incongruity of the work, um, especially because mm -hmm. I mean, obviously not this year, um, but previously, like most of my work was performed publicly and it was like a very engaging sort of public performance or public spectacle. And I really liked the fact that the work and the message stands out so much because of the way it's been represented. I think that's a huge advantage um, mm -hmm. for art now. Mm -hmm. So obviously the, the creation of pieces was first, but you created them for a performance, right? Do I understand correctly? Or did yes. the performance yeah. was kind of a, a logical continuation of those pieces? How was it? Yeah. When I started, I mean, probably for the first year or so of, of exploring <laughs> my body as a canvas, I, I never performed publicly or like was out publicly. I was obviously mm -hmm. publishing the work online. But because also when I started, I, I didn't know what performance art was. I didn't know it was even a genre because mm -hmm. it is quite a fringe genre yeah. of, of fine art. But being an art student and learning about people who've come before me, like other performance artists, it made sense in my head why taking the work public um, was the next logical step. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and that's honestly, I think that's my favorite space to be as an artist is directly face to face with the audience because I think that's the performance art as well has this <laughs> special like ability to be art that exists as a dialogue as well. Like you can exist in that space mm-hmm. as the artwork and engage with the audience in a way that maybe like inanimate art can't do. It's like I didn't know about ex- existence of performance art until very recently, <laughs> and. I just heard about uh, Marina Abramovich once and I was like, okay. But uh, then uh, recently I really dove in her pieces and like watched a few documentaries on her art and her message and her way of life. And probably I, you were also inspired by her since she's kind of like the grandmother of <laughs> performance yeah. art. Do you have other influences in performance art as well? Yeah, I mean, just looking at my context in South Africa, mm-hmm. Stephen Cohen, I think primarily he's the one that I'm referred to the most. Mm-hmm. He's, he lives in, in France now, but he was really like, for me, the like the epitome of like strong political mm-hmm. performance art. But he also did a lot of things. I think he his power really lay in like shock value. Um, and I think that's really effective. Um, and there's elements of that in my own work, but I really like beauty. And I think beauty is also like a powerful tool in trying to engage an audience. So, and there's also Ati Patraraga. He's also an incredible South African artist. Setembile mm-hmm. Mtezane. Uh, also, I mean, it, on environmental themes, it sounds like I'm just, sorry, throwing names out. There's an artist named Jaleli Atiku. Who, mm-hmm. He's a performance artist as well. And he deals with a lot of political env- or environmental issues. And he really inspired me on this journey, partnering with Greenpeace and stuff. I often look to him and, and saw like, well, he he dealt with these topics in this way and, and he's a huge inspiration to me as well. Yeah, I should research those names and if you can, could you please post them in stories so that people who watch us, they can also like go and yeah. check them out. But I think that to many artists, especially to my audience, being a performance artist is very, very scary. Like interacting with people. <laughs> well, I think that creating any kind of art is a sort of courage when you are sharing your views publicly. Did you feel any kind of resistance when going to public or was it simply natural? No, I think, I mean, for me at least, I always feel resistance from myself and from other people. But I think it kind of comes with the territory because, I mean, I know I'm looking a certain way and going into a public space that isn't expecting me. I kind of do expect resistance. A lot of it is very silly as well. People react very strangely uh, sometimes. Uh, (laughs) But I think that tension is also, there's power in that. I mean, that means that people are engaging with the work. Mm -hmm. But it's, yeah, I mean, it's something I expect and it's something that, that comes every time. I do go into public, but I, I mean, I hope it stays there. I think adrenaline is a good is a good thing. Mm-hmm. What and how do you feel after your performance? Usually, just tired and cold, <laughs> inspired usually, and I think that's why this year has been challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, being like an artist who who enjoys being around people and being in public spaces, and mm-hmm. obviously that not being possible this year so much. There's definitely an energy there, a creative energy that you feed off of uh, mm-hmm. or get inspired by. I mean, I think probably as a photographer, you you understand like when you work with people or around people. I, I at least I feed off of that energy in work. So it's been a challenge, kind of transforming performance to be a completely digital thing for me this year but i yeah i mean it's Mm -hmm. been fun but i I hope that face-to-face dynamic is possible again soon yeah everyone helps of course and i would like to come back to this topic of how the lockdown influenced you but for now could you please uh, give us an 
I don't know, an example of a reaction from a member of the audience that you really like, one of your favorite reactions? Sure. I like when people interact with the work. Um, I think that's always a positive sign. Do they touch you or...? <laughs> yes, that, I mean, that's, that's, such a, that's such a strange thing. Um, I think when I'm dressed up and like looking like the way I do when I perform, mm -hmm. I think people forget that I'm a person and the idea of public space and uh, personal space becomes a very blurred topic. Mm -hmm. But I suppose I'm putting myself out there as well. I suppose, yeah, I, I like when people are respectful, of course. Mm -hmm. Often people are, are, they react. I don't like when people, yeah, I mean, any sort of engaging with the work is a positive thing. Even if it's a negative reaction, I think that's better than, than the work being ignored in terms of the message coming across, you know? I so much agree. And I think that so many people don't understand that, that your work is supposed to produce any type of reaction. It might be hatred, it might be just love and admiration, but if it's ignored, then you failed, basically. <laughs> but when you get like a strong reaction, you can never control the reaction, right? But yeah. that's, that, that's the main thing. And it's... Uh, it's awesome to hear that you, in such an, an early stage of your career, also take it like that. It's because many, many people get discouraged by that. What I wanted to ask uh, then is when you are performing, do you also tell a story behind the project? Because probably, well, if I'm a regular person going into a mall where you are performing and I don't know what this whole thing is about, how would I, how would I know? Like, do you tell the story when you talk, to, when you're performing or, or how? Yeah. Well, as I said, I mean, I really like performance or live art for its ability to exist as a dialogue and for mm -hmm. the art to kind of be able to speak back to you. Mm -hmm. um, and so I quite like engaging with people and, and, and talking. I think it's necessary as well. Uh, as you said, I don't know if people will always understand it on, the, on, the, on being confronted with the work immediately, understand what's going on. Yeah, I, I do like I do like engaging with people. I think it's it's an important part of what I do. But I also think there the 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 sort of conceptual expanding the concept of the work. Social media is very powerful in that mm -hmm. sense as well, and that's why I I think uh, Instagram has been so helpful to me because there is that whole format laid out where there is space to explain the work and, and share the work and have, and have it almost exist in a public space as well because you're putting it out there in a similar fashion, which is what I'm kind of thinking through this year, having to move my work completely digitally. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And were there any cases where people interpreted your work in some other way, which was not completely disconnected with uh, what you were trying to say. I'm sure. I mean, <laughs> I would be shocked. If, I'm, I would be shocked if, if, if there wasn't a case like that or multiple cases like that, just because the work, I mean, I understand the work in a public space doesn't always make sense, but I think also that tension between the work and, and the space it's in, that's something I really love exploring. But definitely, yeah, there's been some very weird responses, but they're, uh, funnily enough, the, the negative responses or the questionable responses are the minority, which mm -hmm. I feel very blessed for because I know like a lot of other performance artists working in a similar medium, people react, people react quite violently, not violently in terms of negatively, but mm -hmm. they have, the reactions are often very intense to this medium. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why performance has historically been like the medium of choice for artists dealing with like activism or, or challenging certain systems. Mm -hmm. I mean, performance historically has always existed in that space. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think it, it is an art form inviting kind of engagement and that, that includes criticism. Yeah. Uh, and you said that your, your style 
changed quite a lot. Uh, where did you start from? What uh, your first works looked like? You know, funnily enough, they all still, I mean, they, they exist on my Instagram as well. If you go oh, down for okay. far enough, I really, I started posting, um, obviously my, my page wasn't private, but I started posting when I started creating uh -huh. uh, because I, I think I've always felt like a need for the work to, to be sub, be, be like aimed at something or aimed mm. at an audience. I, I, I always felt more motivated knowing it was going to be seen by someone. Mm -hmm. So I started posting very early. Um, but my initial work, I think I was really just trying to understand the possibilities of the body as a canvas. Um, and this, there was this whole journey of, of the first time I put a brush to my face to now. It's been, I think, two and a two and a half years or so actually three years i'm mm -hmm. counting wrong but, but that whole journey um is visible on my page mm -hmm. i do look back sometimes at some of the older pieces and cringe but i don't think that's a valid response because i'm able to see like the the, the journey um which i think is very cool mm -hmm. but i also just think tech the technique has changed over time i think um, i've become more comfortable with the technical side and the yeah mm -hmm. i don't want to drag one but but it, i think just practice makes perfect sort of thing um, but it's a constant journey obviously yeah of course and what's easier for you now to still use yourself as a canvas or work with models when you paint everything in models funnily enough always myself i always mm. prefer i think it's a weird fact but apparently like the muscle you the muscles you use to paint yourself mm -hmm. versus the muscles you paint someone else with it's completely different <laughs> muscles and so i think the Obviously, since I use myself more often, the muscles, these ones are more, <laughs> more trained. And so I'm definitely more comfortable using myself. Also with the model, there's always like the, the issue of like, I don't want to make someone else uncomfortable being too... Because painting a person is quite intimate. Mm -hmm. So I generally mm -hmm. try to use people that I know or people that uh, other performers or people that I can be comfortable around because it's, I find it's, it is an intimate experience to, to have to paint someone like that. You know? mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Definitely. But you started with yourself, right? And yeah. uh, it came kind of next to you, right? Uh, to use yourself as a canvas, not someone else. Yeah. Was it? Well, I mean, initially, I mean, when I started, when I really took an interest in art, I never thought of using myself as a canvas um, until maybe like a few years afterwards. Mm -hmm. But I was always, from the beginning, I was always interested in like experimenting and, and seeing what I could do with unusual mediums or I mean so the way I found found my way to using myself I actually started for some reason buying cheap makeup and using it as fabric paint and using it like to mm -hmm. just just to kind of explore the the medium mm -hmm. uh, on on a 2d surface but I'm not sure what happened one night I just realized I had accumulated all of this makeup and it's meant to go on your face and so I started using it on myself and actually the first piece the first piece that I ever did was at the time I was obviously very interested in Gustav Klimt he's like kind of the stereotypical artist that everyone is obsessed with but I went through a phase where I really really loved um a lot of his gold work and the first piece I did the first time I put makeup on my face really for for art was inspired by him and, that, and that's actually the first post on on the art Instagram which I'm functioning from now as well so mm -hmm. I suppose it was kind of a natural progression where do you get your inspirations from now like your visual inspirations I I heard or I mean I read that you are into Picasso's work a lot and then Dali as well for surrealism and who else I really admire the cubist movement that Picasso kind of played a role in. I, I like the fact that it was a movement that challenged the status quo of what art standards were at the time. 
Um, and visually, I also just like the way that the Cubist art represents people, particularly. Like, I, I love taking inspiration from Cubism and, and doing mm -hmm. self-portraits based on, on that. But I think most of my inspiration probably at the moment comes from nature and just being in nature. Most of my work and my ideas come from me being in a place like a natural space or a, a, a polluted space because that's also my, my process is I I go into those spaces and I take pieces away um, from those spaces and use them to create my work mm -hmm. um, and that's probably why a lot of my work is either crafted from like branches or, or pieces of nature like mm -hmm. natural mm -hmm. artifacts or beach artifacts or uh, pollutants and, and waste that shouldn't exist in natural spaces mm -hmm. so I think just existing in a in a space and like being quiet and, and listening to the space around me and, and feeling different objects around me is, is what inspires me the most. Do you meditate? I, I, not consciously, <laughs> but I'm sure that's, that's a form of, yeah, <laughs> of meditation. When you are being like quiet in nature, that's probably different, kind of like a form of meditation. Yeah. And you mentioned uh, that when we were talking about working with models that you definitely work with other people and in some of your previous interviews you also said that you work with teams and there are groups on your instagram page how do you um just share some of your experience on working with teams and when you collaborate with someone what kind of help do you get i i figure i like my guess would be that you collaborate with other students since you're just <laughs> like studying together but maybe there is some there should be some points how you find okay i'm comfortable to work with this person and this person doesn't work for me yeah well i think also um performance is almost inherently always collaborative because i mean the the audience a lot of the time in performance work the audience plays just as an, an important role as i do in, mm -hmm. in making the work artwork and obviously very often when I perform, I, I have like a photographer or someone capturing it. Generally, I find most of the people who I work with, either at my university space, being an art student, I'm like surrounded by people who are capable of helping me in, in mm -hmm. different ways. But also Instagram, I think social media is such a powerful tool to, to like reach out to people and collaborate. Mm -hmm. That's where most of my collaborations have come from. And you're kind of able to get an idea of who it is you're working with and, and what their vision is based on their page. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What are the downsides of collaboration for you? I think, at least with my work, I, I like to be in control of the whole process. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when you're collaborating, you have to give some of that control up, which sometimes open doors for, like, it, it may open a door for, like, a really amazing output. But I'm always a bit uncomfortable having to, to share, like, the, the process with someone else. But I think that's, that's something that, as I grow, it, it will be easier and, and, like, or not. But I think collaboration is definitely, the times I collaborate with people are the times that I grow the most as an artist. I think you learn from people when you work with them as well. Mm -hmm. I completely agree. And when you, getting back to your, one of the biggest projects, the Monsters, I don't remember the exact name. How do you, the, the Monsters of the Sea? I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the, the, I, I assume you're speaking about like the Greenpeace. Yes collaborations yeah i just call them plastic the, the plastic monsters yeah, yeah. it wasn't an, like an intentional name it's just over performing the work again and again it's just kind of the name that stuck mm -hmm. uh, with them yeah i wanted to ask how is the storytelling component important for you like is there a specific story behind each and every monster or is there just a single story for the whole project there is definitely like a, a certain depth behind each of the monsters because mm -hmm. i uh, 
at least with the with the with the initial collaboration I did with Greenpeace last year, where mm-hmm. the, the body of work kind of consisted of twelve different monsters, I tried to use each one to represent a different facet of plastic pollution. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the in the concept and in the the sort of visual elements and how I chose to represent the monsters, there was definitely like meaning and symbolism behind each one. But I also really enjoy writing. I also really enjoy. Um, I think language is is amazing, and it's also language paired with something visual. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a, a strong power, like in using those two things collaboratively. And so I often write kind of poetry esque things. I don't know if I would call mm-hmm. it poetry, but I. I like to expand on the concept of the work in sort of poetic writings, which which I do use like as captions as well in some of the works. Wow! Um, yeah, that, that's amazing. And uh, for my audience, guys, uh, many many times I'm asked, like, should I provide a story in written words which goes along with my image? Yes, you should. <laughs> if you can, if if you cannot, still you should. <laughs> I think that it just helps the audience to engage with the work even more. And um, probably you will not be able to control again the perception of how your work is perceived. But I totally agree that like creating a story uh, behind each piece is really, really important. And now I wanted to share also one thing. I recently watched... uh, an interview with Guillermo del Toro, you know, the movie director? You probably heard the name. But, I know that, yeah. <laughs> uh, and he uh, writes a detailed biography for each and every one of his characters. So when you write it in, in short poetic thing, it looks just very, very natural. Mm. But, yeah, I, I think it was also kind of... Uh, necessary for me to do a similar thing uh, because also i mean before my uh before like the big collaboration i did with mm-hmm. Greenpeace mm-hmm. last year which was the 12 plastic monsters before then i would never repeat the same performance more than once mm. or like bring back the same sort of figures mm-hmm. in my art more than once but because because uh, 12 plastic monsters from last year was performed kind of all over the place i had to kind of develop an understanding of like this of like the the significance of each character and, and how those characters would represent the different issues of, of or different facets of plastic pollution because i also don't think that i think once you perform perform something once you will never be able to perform the same artwork again obviously mm-hmm. i mean so it was necessary to understand like how an artwork would exist or how that figure in my art would exist in a particular space to be able to authentically take the performance from one space to another. Mm-hmm, you know? mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Amazing. And now, could you please share a bit more about this big uh, project with Greenpeace? How did you get that kind of collaboration as a student? Did you reach out to them yourself? Or how did you make yourself visible <laughs> to an organization like that? And yeah, like the whole um, experience. Yeah. So my work early 2019, I started to really bring these themes of environmentalism into my work. Even probably in late 2018, I started to work with plastic and and deal with themes of environmentalism and and Mm -hmm. really like raise my voice on my Instagram platform regarding these different environmental issues. And I think the Greenpeace Africa page saw one of my pieces and, and initially asked if they could share it. But because I was already planning this large scale performance of 12 Plastic Monsters, I kind of brought it up to them and asked mm. if they would be interested in, in some sort of collaboration. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I've worked with them a few times since then, but I've also kind of also, I've really felt inclined to develop that theme of environmentalism, environmentalism in my work, I think, given the, the intensity of the climate crisis. And I think it's something that so many people are aware of now. But so I ended up kind of also collaborating with smaller environmental organizations in my city and mm-hmm. um, around my area in various provinces close to me. But it was also just kind of, it made sense with the direction I was taking my work in. And I think they're also just like a really amazing team of people who understand the power that art can have in a space of activism. And like the way that it can really encourage people to engage with topics that maybe they would be uncomfortable to engage with in like a very traditional, normal setting. Were you collaborating with um, environmental organizations before creating art? Or was it kind of like a continuation of your art then? I had done like volunteer work and, mm. and you know, beach cleanups and stuff like that. But there's not like a huge a huge presence of environmental organizations in my city, or at least that I was aware of before before like learning about them through my work um and so like yeah it the last two years i've really become aware of like all the happenings going on in terms of environmentalism in my city that i maybe wasn't aware of beforehand but that's also a very encouraging thing to me to to know that maybe people don't know people who live in the city around me also didn't know about how they could get involved in there's ways that i can bring attention to now because of the ways that i've like engaged with the pockets of environmentalism that exist here So while producing your work, you also did a lot of research, as far as I understand, right? Like on the state of environment and uh, is that correct? Yeah. Well, I mean, I was also, I'm very interested in, in like research and, and writing in, in an academic sense as well. And so last year was my first year in a university space. And so like this like overwhelming sense of like there's just so much information I really threw myself into as many educational spaces as I could and really tried to like open my eyes to to the reality of what's going on in the world around me mm-hmm. now you're again very very young and what kind of future you see in front of yourself like what big ambitious projects are there in front of you <laughs> or maybe there's um, something that you're working right now Yeah, I think, uh, well, to answer your last question first, I'm quite grateful as well for, for this lockdown period and in, in the way that it's allowed me to explore different dimensions of my work. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, because, I mean, I've obviously been, like, home kind of isolating um, mm-hmm. with my with my tools and, and, like, my, like, I have had the opportunity to kind of explore installation and different forms of photography. I'd love to expand my work my performance work into a 2D medium or like a painting, mm-hmm. sculpture or something. I think that is something that I, I am currently exploring. I'd love to be able to do that. But also um, also writing, uh, being in an academic space is something and, and reading theory is something that also really inspires me. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not sure, I think as a... <laughs> As a 20-year-old, I'm not sure if I'll be able to accu- accurately predict my future. But I'm just hoping that I, I will have this, this facet of art and performance with me wherever I end up, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yes, you mentioned now how um, the lockdown influenced you. Were there any, like, what was the worst thing? <laughs> and then what was the best thing about you being just at home all the time? <laughs> 
I think they're probably the same. I mean, it's probably the same answer for both of them. I think mm-hmm. I, I had to really teach myself how to be self-sufficient in creating new work. Mm-hmm. Um, because as I said before, I mean, for me, performance has always existed kind of as a collaboration. Mm-hmm. I mean, you need, it, if you're using other people, if it's like a big performance or if you're using photographers and even the role of the audience kind of giving energy to the work, I really had to challenge myself and, and say like, I really want to continue making work this year and continue developing it as an artist, but I don't have all of these other like advantages of people mm-hmm. around me that I had last year. Um, and so I've had to become my own photographer and like my own collaborator. And, and But I think that's also been a very positive thing going into the future. Like when you step into a, a space of collaboration, if you're able to exist completely independently, you can offer so much more than mm-hmm. if you were to depend on the, the other creatives involved in the project. So yeah, it's both like uh, the worst and the bad <laughs> and the best thing. And what about your creativity? I know that many people they felt really like uninspired. They didn't have any new ideas. How did it feel for you? Yeah, I mean, I can definitely resonate with that as well. Given that I was always so inspired by being around people and like mm-hmm. taking my work into public spaces, it's it's hard because you almost need to find you need to change your coping mechanism and find inspiration. You need to find new ways of inspiring yourself. But mm-hmm. I think what I've also come to realize is that inspiration is not always the first step in the process of. I mean, I've come to realize that inspiration is not necessarily the first step in the process of creating artwork. Mm-hmm. I've often found that like you need to force yourself to do something to read theory to make something even if you feel completely uninspired for me the inspiration almost come like it, it's almost step two like you take the initiative and then, the, so and then the emotions will follow this is so good i i'm like that's yeah uh, i i will like make a quote for myself it's really <laughs> the step two seriously it's just it's it's brilliant You are a big inspiration for me, and I'm sure you are a humongous inspiration for all the young people, young artists who read about your story, who see your works on Instagram, who, I don't know, interact with your work somehow, that you're, like, one of the commenters now said that you're so very confident in everything. Like, you have absolutely, at least it seems like you have no doubt in your future, in your values in your interests and this is awesome and first of all thank you for being that <laughs> and bringing that to the world but then uh secondly what would be your advice to people uh young artists like you who maybe look at you and think like oh my god i want to do something like this where do i start like as an artist and then second as an activist in art well thank you i mean firstly thank you for that um i don't always feel like that but it's it's but if i were to look at myself i think sometimes there's a certain naivety that is a, that is an advantage um because sometimes if you know too much about the industry that you're working in you can feel discouraged and feel like you are not a valid what you are putting forward is not valid because it's not the same as 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 a, a different creative person i think for, for, as i said i mean when i started doing what i was doing i had no idea that performance art was even something that existed mm-hmm. i was just doing i was just creating authentically and and doing what i felt like doing and making what i felt like making and obviously there comes a step later in your process where you do need to become really accustomed to your field but i think initially you need to just trust your your gut definitely look i mean i always had people that i looked up to in the art field i always had people that inspired me 
but it was never a judgment thing. It was never me comparing my work to theirs because I think your, what you can bring, the unique element of your art is its power. And I think by knowing, by learning too much or by being too involved in the industry too early, you can really lose your confidence because you, I mean, you, 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 that comparison too early on is not healthy. That like competitive energy too early on is not good for you. And I think for, um, in activism as well, I mean, I, I very rarely, in my mind at least, dis uh, disconnect art from activism because art to me always has significance. Obviously, the work of mine that is considered activism is considered that because the themes I'm dealing with are, are that of the environmental crisis or that of climate breakdown. But I mean, art always exists as something with meaning. Um, not that the author always has control over how it's interpreted, but I think art as activism is not a separate thing. It's, mm -hmm. it's just art that is dealing with particular themes and, and art that is not activism is just art that's dealing with other themes, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure that I'm qualified to, to give advice to act like activists that are out there outside of the realm of art, but um, through my experience with, with art and using that to kind of bring attention to certain environmental issues, that's, you know, that's been my experience. Mm -hmm. Do you see yourself uh, to produce like this kind of activist art only concerning the environmental issues or are there any other things that you care about that you also want to tackle in your art someday or maybe doing it now? Yeah. You know, also, I mean, uh, if I were to speak on that, I also think environmentalism and, and social justice very much the same thing. Mm -hmm. I think people tend to separate them and say like social justice and environmentalism are, are separate things. But I mean, environmental, the environmental breakdown and the, and the climate crisis will affect people and is affecting people. And so to me, I do view it as a social justice issue as well, particularly because it's, I mean, it's, it's poorer disadvantaged people who get the, the brunt of, of, of the climate breakdown. And so there's, I mean, it's such a complex issue and there's so many facets that I would love to explore and unpack. Mm -hmm. um, obviously my main sort of area has been plastic pollution i think just because that is there was a niche um, it is. in also greenpeace and yeah but I, I i mean i would love to to in my in my mind i'm gonna continue working and then like uh, the logical step would be to expand the work um into various areas you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. awesome um one more thing that i wanted to to ask you when you plan your next project well you said that the creation of your work like your makeup takes three hours alone how long does uh the creation of a piece take sure i mean it really depends on the piece mm -hmm. uh, particularly now during lockdown that i've been exploring installation i'm actually sitting in like the corner of one of them that might appear on my page later on but it really depends on the piece uh mm -hmm. it's, I, i don't know if i can give you a, like a, a an exact answer but i mean it, it ranges from like a few hours to a few days generally I, i try not to um i feel like get uninspired if i if i work on something for a few days and then leave it for a week i'm very much the type of person that like when i start something i, I need to finish it mm -hmm. that's the most specific answer i can give you like a few hours to a few days mm -hmm. and you also i know that you are reusing pieces of your pieces of your art pieces <laughs> to create <laughs> new works of art how do you feel about disassembling your old works uh does it feel sad uh, or just a normal thing to you 
Um, you know, I, it came out of necessity because mm. I mean, I, I I live and work in like a relatively small space, and I'm I'm a relatively big person. I mean, I'm almost two hundred centimeters tall, and well, so like the works that I wear are obviously very big, and they take up a lot of space. And so I was at one stage just like basically living in a room that was my bed and <laughs> the rest of the room was heaps <laughs> heaps of, of pieces that were used mm -hmm. but in my mind I had to kind of uh, get rid of them somehow and I didn't want them to, to to go into landfill I didn't I wasn't comfortable with just discarding them like that after also protesting the accumulation of waste um, mm -hmm. it just felt very logical um, to be dealing with pollution mm -hmm. um, to then use these uh, these themes of like recycling as well within the work and so in a lot of the pieces, you can actually see elements of previous work reused mm -hmm. and recycled into new pieces. And I like that as well, because it's so hard to say when a performance is over. Obviously, I, I, I go do the performance and we get photos of it or documents of it. But for me, there's always this blurred line of, okay, when is the performance over? When mm -hmm. When is it now? Like completely just me in a casual setting. And I don't know if there is ever, like, now it's performing time and now it's casual loop time. I think the work also goes on living to and the, the work goes somewhere and does something and so I, I really like bringing in old pieces and like giving it new life because in my mind it's it's elements of the same performance that kind of live on through the new pieces and so to me that's something that I I, I really do love doing that I love reusing old work and making it into new work yeah I think it's great for supporting the concepts that you are and the values that you are bringing to the world and also I love this feeling of performance never being like never coming to an end it's kind of like yeah it, again mind-blowing and <laughs> I'm blurring here from you it's so good yeah how does your normal everyday life look like do you use plastic <laughs> Do people feel maybe guilty around you when they have um, less experience? I hope not. <laughs> I hope not. And I also think one of the the main themes that I tried to bring across in, in my recent collaboration with mm -hmm. Greenpeace, also, I mean, Greenpeace as well, they, they are not trying to shame individuals. I think mm. it's, it is a systematic problem in the, in the sense of like, I have tried for so long to like not use plastic but as a consumer unless you are like a very affluent person it's almost impossible to go completely without plastic mm -hmm. um, without contributing so much of your life to being a waste-free person and so obviously i mean there is an emphasis on being a conscious consumer and, and consuming carefully and understanding that the businesses you support impact the environment in a particular way but i think there is more power in putting your energy into pressuring governments to changing mm -hmm. legislation. And I think that's, I sometimes see people getting like annoyed with the, the amount of petitions or whatever that, that Greenpeace put out and saying like, please sign this, please. Mm -hmm. um, and people feeling like it doesn't do anything, but they use those petitions in their arguments to get legislation to change. And mm -hmm. so it is a real act of activism to put your energy into petitions or, or to raise your voice not to shame individuals, but to really challenge the companies and the governments that are allowing that, that environmental exploitation mm -hmm. to take place. You know? Yeah, because how else can you... This is the least thing that you can do, I think, to, to educate yourself, first of all, on how this is affecting the environment and how you can maybe like with tiny little action from your side, change it a little bit, at least. Yeah. 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 
it was such an amazing conversation we will be unfortunately disconnected soon once again thank you thank you so much we have one question about how you deal with procrastination i think that you don't have that much do you ever procrastinate i think it's a universal problem but as i said for me at least I, especially during lockdown um it's i've really tried to like teach myself that inspiration as i said is not the first step it's not um inspiration is not when i should start working mm -hmm. um really trying to push myself to do one small thing or do an action make something and then the inspiration will, will often follow after mm -hmm. that but it's definitely a learning curve i think for everyone yeah <laughs> so you're like the rest of us as well <laughs> sometimes we all have uh, this procrastination feeling once again i want to acknowledge you for doing what you do for being a living inspiration like first of all with your amazingly beautiful art pieces and then with just your example of going out there engaging with people bringing your art to them bringing your values like raising awareness about the good cause and it's just really really inspirational i don't think that right now you are aware of the impact that you're making <laughs> because i'm sure so many young and older people they are looking at you and they like they're simply mind-blowing yeah and maybe some of them will look at you and they will be doing exactly the same or i mean their own way so thank you so much for being there and for doing that and my final question to you would be what's in your opinion what makes a good work of art for me a good work of art is something that makes you like react mm -hmm. It's something that engages your emotions and, and makes you feel something. Um, I think that's probably what defines art from just straight information or data. I know like I like movies that I, after I finish the movie, I feel like a different person and I'm always like, wow, that, that was a good movie. It impacted me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> I suppose it's just, it's something that makes you feel something. Exactly. Like produces some kind of a reaction and no matter if it's like a positive reaction or even if it's a negative reaction then anyway that something that cannot be ignored right yeah i love it once again thank you so much for being here and for talking and for your generous answers it was such a pleasure to talk to you today all right what i love about luke is his confidence and his art he has chosen a path that to the majority of people will look quite strange to say the least, yet he is not afraid of it. He knows his truth and is ready to learn along the way. And guys, if he can do it, so can you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode up to the very end. Please let me know what was the thing that you find most valuable in this episode and hit me on the DM. I love replying to those, especially on Instagram. Now, stay safe and creative, and until next time, 